And welcome once again to another exciting edition of the Hockey News on the Queue, brought to you by BetMGM. And don't let my tone of voice uh, prove, uh, say otherwise. This actually is going to be an exciting edition as we talk about all the news that takes place, has taken place over the last seven days and beyond in the queue and things to come. Uh, I'm Will McLaren, as usual, alongside Jamie Tozer, of course, Connor Somerville doing uh, all the legwork in the background as well. So, uh, Jamie, let's start off with uh, how your week went. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll get off the uh, hockey train for just a second. I know if I saw my socials uh, correctly, uh, you're taking a little bit of uh, basketball action, university <laughs> basketball action yeah. here yes. in Halifax. Yes, and if the AUS is listening, I'd like my money back from that men's final because uh, <laughs> it was <laughs> not a good game. Uh I was expecting it to be a close game. I looked at I didn't follow AUS basketball that close to the season. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I looked at the neither standings. Did I, neither did I, to be honest with you. <laughs> I looked at the standings. Uh, UPEI, Santa Fe, they're pretty close. So I was expecting mm-hmm. a pretty good game. And, you know, it's a championship game. You'd think it'd be mm-hmm. pretty competitive. But um, it was right. competitive for about, like, 30 seconds. And the Santa Fe uh, went up early. And uh, I think it was, they beat them by almost 50 points. So, uh it was uh, not a great game entertainment-wise. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't sound like the most entertaining thing I've ever heard. It sounds like basically in the time it took me to draw out an intro tonight, uh, St. FX was up by like 15. So, yeah, Honestly. I, I, you know, thank you for taking the bullet because, you know, that just, you know, I don't feel bad about not going. I didn't feel bad about not going before, but even more so now. So thanks, Jamie. You know, you Anytime. Yeah. That's that that's that's doing God's work right there. <laughs> so let's go back to hockey and let's talk a little bit about the Western Conference. Um, and specifically, we're actually going to talk about the top four teams here because it's kind of they're their own little storylines. There's Gatineau and, and Sherbrooke who continue to just roll along. And then there's this interesting little subplot going on in three, four that I don't think anybody really expected especially after the trade day deadline took place as victoriaville and Naranda, who are all of a sudden in a battle for that third spot in the conference um who would have saw that coming jane yeah a little bit surprising given how victoriaville played in the first half uh, but they've had a really rough stretch here um three five oh and two in their last 10 games now they've had a few tough opponents they played sherbrooke they played halifax they played quebec but some of those losses are are against lesser opponents so uh they've been struggling a bit lately and uh the the offense for them isn't quite clicking great right now looking at some of their uh going off just some of their scores uh for the past 10 games they seem to be struggling on offense a little bit i know they had uh, I believe back-to-back shutout losses at one point. Um, you know, really, really, it seems like that when they lost that game, um, seven nothing to Valdor, which I think was Val- mm-hmm. I want to say that was Valdor's first game after their GM got fired. Um, that really seems right. like it's kind of put them into a bit of a, a tailspin here, um, and not the time of year where you really want to be uh, struggling right now. No, definitely, there is no time to struggle right now. I mean, everybody has. You know, about you know somewhere between ten and thirteen games remaining or thereabouts. 
uh, on the season. And, you know, you talk about those losses to, you know, the Sherbrooke's, the Halifaxes, whatnot. Um, those are the teams that Victoriaville are aiming to face, you know, in the latter stages of the playoffs and, and ultimately try and beat, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, one of those things, whereas the Huskies, you almost feel like they're kind of playing with house money at this point. Yeah. Uh, this was not their year. Uh, they've been methodically putting things back, back to uh, the top of the standings after winning the Memorial cup here in Halifax back in 2019. And they're just staying the course. It's just like, you know, they're, they're right there. You'd almost, you almost want to say that they're running their own race, but it turns out that it's, it's becoming a race with a, a team that uh, people didn't necessarily expect them to be uh, in competition with. So, you know, credit, you know, credit that staff in uh, Ryan Aranda as well, you know, Brad Yetman, his coaching staff. And there's a lot that's gone into um, them reaching this, uh, this stage and, kind of without really gaining a lot of fanfare, they, they've been doing quite well. Now over, of course, you know, we talked about the one, two battle, you know, Gatineau and Sherbrooke. And this one feels Jamie, like, you know, we could be talking about this the last day of the season. Uh, it's that tight. And neither one is blinking right now. Gatineau's on a 13 game win streak. At, at, as of the time of this recording, we are recording on Tuesday night as, Per usual, uh, for everybody's information, Sherbrooke they've got points in twelve straight games. Only one point separates the two of them, and they they just uh, you you can't help but wonder. It almost feels, Jamie, like the first team that loses amongst these two, either one, could very well concede the division to the other. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a really fun uh, last month of the season. Hopefully, I hope I hope both of them. Uh, you know, keep these winning streaks going for a little bit. Um, and we kind of come down right to the wire. Um, it's funny because uh, I feel like we talked a ton about Gatineau. Everyone's talked about Gatineau. Um, and I think it's great to, to see that, you know, they it feels like they almost brought in a whole half of a new team in the second half, really. Part of it through mm-hmm. trades, part of it through just getting healthy. Um, and they have to be healthy. They have to be happy that this team is really gelling together, uh, obviously. Um and I almost feel like we almost undervalue Sherbrooke a little bit just because they were a little bit quieter at the trade deadline. Uh, they kind of had that core already in place and it feels like Gatineau, Halifax, Quebec really grabbed a lot of the headlines. But um, here they are. They've still got a very good shot at finishing first in the Western Conference. Uh, but this is going to be fun. I, you know, you almost wish that um, um, the teams weren't reseeded in the semifinals. Um, right. So that we could guarantee a matchup between two of these, assuming they don't get upset, but we'll we'll see what happens. And now that would take away uh, or or lessen the possibility of a Gatineau Halifax playoff series, which you know we're both really True. looking forward to the prospect yep. of it happening. Which of course immediately means it's not going to happen because you know, of course that's the way that's the way because, things yep. work. You know, so thanks. You know. But uh, thanks, world. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, uh, you do have a point with Sherbrooke, you know, talking to uh, Stephanie Julian, you know, their head coach and their general manager, who, by the way, had to really rely on his staff, both his coaching staff, to see the team through the day to day, you know, playing of the games and his uh, and his uh, management staff to see through the trade period because he was behind the bench with Team Canada as an assistant coach. So uh, he was a little disconnected from everything. But it's like he said, uh, talking to him a couple of weeks ago, they had specific targets and they met those targets. And amongst those targets was 
uh, Jacob Melanson uh, from Bathurst, um, uh, Marc Andre Gadet, uh, also from Bathurst, and uh, also and and, and uh, excuse me, I should say, and Olivier Adam. Um, you know, those were three of the key guys. And uh, sure enough, they they were able to successfully maneuver deals for all of them, and and it worked. And you know, and the thing that has impressed uh, uh, Stefan Julian the most since he's got back from from the World Juniors has been how tight this group is defensively. They were mm-hmm. good before, and now they're just otherworldly. You know, two goals allowed or less in nine of their last twelve games during this streak. Yeah. But to have any junior team. Uh, go on a run like that, uh, keeping the puck out of their own net. It's rare, and it's great to see. And shutting out uh, Halifax on the weekend, too. Really impressive yeah. to see them shut down um, Moosehead's offense. One thing I'll add in, Will, before we move on, uh, Jeffrey Brando, who uh, does a great job tweeting a lot of CHL stats. Um, Sherbrooke has the third hardest schedule remaining um, in the league, so um, something to keep an eye on as uh, Sherbrooke and Gatineau come down the wire here. Yeah, and all three of these teams, you know, have uh, have interesting schedules coming up uh, this week, or all four, I should say. Tigers and Huskies, actually, to go back to those two, they actually face each other on Saturday night in Randa. Sherbrooke, uh, they they have a pair of home games once against the Charlottetown Islanders, but then they have the Ramparts over the weekend, uh, which is, which is going to be a marquee matchup. And oddly enough, uh, one that's not going to take place on a Wednesday or Thursday night. I don't know. Schedule makers, like that. Got, oh, yeah, schedule makers got it wrong there by the feel. <laughs> and, and, and then Gatineau is, well, um, something very interesting about that, Jamie. Uh, uh, as it stands right now, they are supposed to be playing back-to-back games this weekend in Ramuski. Well, here's the thing. Um, we don't know if those games are going to take place. And we know for a fact Ramuski will not be playing Moncton here uh, tomorrow night, which will be tonight at the time this gets launched, uh, because there's a, there's, there's a little issue at the old uh, Sun Life Coliseum. And I don't say old uh, without some sort of meaning behind it, because the rink was built in the 60s, and uh, it's undergone substantial renovations since then. And somewhere along the line... Um, I, I guess we didn't do a thorough check for asbestos, and as a result, there's some air quality issues, and the rink has been shut down to the public. Um, you know, coming down the stretch in the queue, Jamie, you, you expect a lot of plot twists, but um, uh, contaminated rinks, not on my bingo card, man. Yeah, that's a different one, right? That one I didn't yeah. see coming uh, in the preseason. Uh, so that, that's going to be a challenging <laughs> one for Ramusi to navigate. I, like, I don't, I didn't, honestly, I don't even know how like how big of an issue this is going to be to fix, to be honest. But um, I, you know, going back to hard schedules down the stretch, I believe Ramuski has one of the hardest schedules um, remaining in the league. Um, mm-hmm. So not uh, not ideal for them and. Uh, I'm not. I'm not really sure what the Q's going to do here. They're in a. They're in a tough situation. Yeah. No. I think it, it's really going to depend. I mean, obviously they'll have somebody uh, on the case quickly as possible. And the fact that they haven't flat out canceled those games against Gatineau yet, yeah. maybe that is a sign that they can expedite um, yeah. or expedite. I should say the process. I'll uh, you know, reveal a little bit about myself when I'm not uh, a freelance broadcaster or a podcaster. Because believe it or not, this doesn't pay all the bills. Right. I mean, unless, you right. know, I mean, 
I, it's I'm as shocked as you are, Jamie, and that will be probably the biggest revelation that we unveil to, for the entire run of this podcast. We could go for another 20 years, and I don't think there will be a more shocking statement. <laughs> Freelance journalism doesn't is not a money making proposition, but I'll tell you what is construction. And I do, and ironically, in my daytime job, I'm in the construction industry, and I know that if this was a lot of circumstances, there is some coordination involved in getting people in there. Um, you know, a test, the testing has already been done by the sounds of it. The, that's how they found the asbestos. But getting somebody in there to do the remediation and, and, and doing it properly is a methodical process. I can only assume that there's somebody in the building now. And that's speculation on my part, but if they haven't canceled those games yet this weekend, something is taking place right now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. You mentioned that tough schedule for the Oceanic, uh, Jamie. You know, uh, the last thing that they want to see, uh, although it could be out of their hands, would be to have this schedule compressed any further than than it has to be. Now, these are home games that are being potential that are being rescheduled or potentially rescheduled at this point anyway, but still it's just, it just becomes a nightmare scenario. And, uh, and, and with this, uh, this late to go in the season, it's going to be a tough one to, uh, to overcome. So hopefully uh, things can get remedied uh, sooner rather than later and uh, be done safely as well. Yeah. And uh, hopefully I'd echo everything you just said. That's a big problem for the Hopefully it gets uh, solved quickly. Yeah. Um, so something else that happened, this actually took place, Jamie, not too long after we went off the air last week. Um, an article came out in La Presse, and uh, I'll be honest with you, Jamie, I'm going to let you run with this. I don't, want, I, I don't need to give this a lot of time. There's been ample uh, alumni from the Quebec League and staff, for that matter, who have given it the time that it needs. But uh, a reporter for La Presse, uh, Yves Boisvert, put out an editorial last week uh, indicating a lack of emphasis on education in junior hockey. Um, he points to the NCAA model as uh, uh, perhaps the more uh, player-friendly option and kind of chastises the franchises around the league as uh, being more interested in financial gains. Um, anybody who follows the Quebec League on Twitter has probably seen at least one or two replies come up in in, in their mentions. Uh, none of them favorable from from alumni. Mm. Um, not too many favorable from fellow reporters. So, uh, Jamie, uh, what do you think of this uh, uh, whole scenario? Yeah, it was kind of a an odd column, I guess. And you know, the thing I found odd about is, um, you know, the league is so armed to, to deal with these kinds of statements and stories and refuting them. Um, it's just kind of an odd thing to write about. Um, you know, the league has done um, so much promotion of their educational endeavors over the past decade. Um, it's just kind of an odd thing to see. Um, and I think, you know, the amount of players who went out of their way to to uh, disagree with the statements really, I think to me says everything um, and not just players who have used the, the education option, players who've gone pro um, and didn't even mm -hmm. use that education option. You know, they obviously um, were given full support if they did want to take the education route. Um, but, you know, certainly the biggest problem I have is, you know, it, I don't want to say it made the NCAA seem like uh, 
favorable option. I don't, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, you know, praising the NCAA a ton, but I, I, there's, there's no question that the NCAA is not all about education and, you know, every, every sports fan knows that. And I think right. comparing it, it's, it's not a great comparison. And I don't think any league should be, you know, idolizing the NCAA and, and what they do. Yeah. I think something that's very telling as well, uh, Jamie, that, that I picked up on the players who really came to the defense of the league are players for the most part that have, that were, that have played in the league in the last 10 to 15 years or yeah. so. And I think that in itself speaks volumes to where the league has come in terms of their emphasis on education, you know, for, you know, you know, we're, let's not hide the fact that, you know, once upon a time, and I will even go back, you know, even to the point where, you know, I started following the league. Um, education was an afterthought for a lot of players and for a lot of teams as well. Um, the, I remember the Moncton Wildcats and, you know, Robert Irving hired a, a, a tutor um, sometime in the late 90s, not right around the time he uh, uh, bought the franchise. And that was that was big enough news that it was actually it was actually newsworthy it was a news story it's just something that we didn't see a lot of at that time things have uh, changed substantially and the players who have responded are, are are the proof of that so i don't know if it's a slow news day or something or if, uh, if you know somebody lost a bet here or something but you know it's it's not so much you know th this isn't a commentary you know, for me about oh no a reporter crapped on the queue there's quite frankly, there are reasons to chastise the queue from, you know, at, at any given time, but this now made no sense. Yeah. No sense whatsoever. Yeah. And one thing I'll add, you know, I think the, the essentially free education the players get is a really undervalued part of junior hockey. Um, you know, we talk a lot about whether players should be paid or not, which, uh, you know, is a fair argument to make. And, you know, there's certainly some cases for it. Um, but you know, these players essentially getting four or five years, depending on their circumstance of free education. Um, I know tons of people who would be lining up if they could do that. Um, you know, mm -hmm. being essentially debt free in your early twenties, I think is a, a dream for a lot of people. So I think that the, that's, uh, not to be undervalued what the, the league's given these players. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Do you, and and at this point, you know, let's open it up here a little bit to people who are listening. Um, do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you have any comments to make about anything that we mention on this podcast? Please send them our way. Um, and I, I'd be very interested to hear if anybody has a comment on the next thing that we're going to bring up in our in our conversation. By the way, if you do want to send anything to us, we're both on the old Twitter machine. I'm at Will McWriter, M-A-C-W-R-I-T-E-R. -E Jamie is at station underscore nation. We always welcome your comments, your questions, or anything else you may want to share with us. And again, this seems like something that's tailor-made for a mailbag segment. And Jamie, credit to you. Uh, for for bringing it up because you know we we normally full disclosure to anybody who who's interested in the behind the scenes of this and if you are well I don't know what to tell you <laughs> but uh, usually you know in the days or so after we record an episode we'll just you know in the group chat say you know there it, you know is there any ideas sort of like contingency ideas uh, in case it's a slow news week 
or if we feel there's something that we're going to throw in there, there's quite not quite enough content. And this one's one of Jamie's, and it revolves around the Canada-Russia series, which, of course, is not being played for obvious reasons. With that on permanent hiatus, still working that new tongue, what, if anything, would you like to see replace this as a showcase event for the league? Jamie, what would you like to see if anything, replace the Canada-Russia series for as long as it's not being played. I I think myself, and I think a lot of people would love to see it. I would love to see something similar. If It doesn't have to be exactly the same, but I'd love to see something similar of Canada-USA uh, version mm-hmm. of this. And I think everyone's kind of craving it. And I think um, I, th- I feel like there's almost just some some political issues in the background between hockey Canada and the CHL and college hockey and USA hockey, just um, kind of stopping this from happening, I would imagine. Um, and it, it's not simple given, you know, college hockey and the way their schedule works. Um, mm-hmm. But I would love to see something like this. And I, I don't know if it even has to be necessarily a CHL event. I think this, you know, maybe it's just a, a some sort of pre-tournament between hockey Canada and the U S heading into the world juniors. I would love to see that. Um, and I think there's a generation of hockey fans now where Canada, Russia is not the big rivalry. I think Canada, USA is the big rivalry. Um, and I'd love to see something like that. And if that doesn't happen, I would love to see some sort of, maybe just, a something like the top prospects game, just in the first half, maybe there's two top prospects games or some sort of, uh, big all-star event. I would, Either way, I'd love to see um, something where, for example, the WHL's best players come east to play uh, the Q's best players mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Well, uh, and and that's a good point uh, that I'll, I'll touch upon here in just a moment. But to your point about the Candy USA thing, yeah, everybody would love to see that. And I think politics will completely shut it down. Yeah. Um, we won't get past square one. I hate to say it um, uh, for as fantastic of an idea as that is and i'm sure somebody in a boardroom somewhere oh, yeah. has ha- had had to have brought that up at some point yep. but you know one of the things that made the canada russia series maybe a little bit easier to to put on was before the sanctions against russia not only were they bringing over national team members they were also plucking players from the respective leagues mm-hmm. across the country to fill out those rosters so it kind of it, it worked for the chl in the, as much as it worked for the Russian national team as well. And it was also an opportunity perhaps uh, for, for the CHL guys uh, to um, get in their reps with uh, some of the Russian uh, uh, players that are still playing over in Russia and see if there's any chemistry there, albeit on a small scale. Um, yeah, as far as, as, can, as Canada, USA, it's it's one of those things that's too good, you know. It, that's too good of an idea for somebody to allow it to happen. That's probably the best way to put it. Yep. Um, your idea about the leagues against each other. This isn't so much of a prospects game thing, but this is something that's happened in the league before. Now, if you will, will all indulge me as I gather you around the lemon tree and you know, you know, fill up a glass of turnip juice and tell you about the time I had the onion on my belt back in the day. In, um, I want to say it's probably around like the early 2000s, like 2000, 2001, 2002. There was something called the Hershey Cup Series. Um, longtime Q fans will probably remember this. And what happened was the three leagues had an all star team that they would that, that faced off one against the other against the other. 
And it was, if I'm not mistaken, and this is getting on, this is well over 20 years ago now, so I could be a little bit sketchy on the details. But I want to say that there was a game in Quebec, a game in West, and a game in the O, or at least one of each. And there, it might have actually entailed um, two teams. For, like The leagues each had two rosters that competed. I don't know if it was a double round robin thing. I could be misremembering that part. Uh, or com- or combining with Canada Russia series, but either way, this is something that on some level has happened before. And I will tell you this much: back in the day when social media was non-existent, basically it was people on message boards or just some general commentary, you know, between fans. The real diehard fans of the leagues loved this. And there was a bit of trash talking, you know, online and whatnot between the three uh, fans of the three leagues and something that we we just never see anymore. And, you know, in lieu of a candidate U.S. thing, this might be the thing to replace it. it. It it allows the main reason for and the main reason why I'd be such a big proponent for this, maybe even more so than the Canada USA thing or even a Canada Russia series if it's ever come back. This allows this is kind of a quantity and quality thing. It allows the leagues to showcase more of their own players. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the prospects game, you know, you get your you know, 50 players named to the to each of the two rosters and 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 that's it. Here you could have, you know. 20 players uh, and if you split it up 40 players representing each respective league a lot more um a lot more ability to showcase and shines a much bigger spotlight on all the leagues in general do you guys have a better idea out there we'd like to hear it so uh again send us your questions your comments anything you'd like through the mailbag we will read it on air. And that one in particular, Jamie, thanks for bringing that up. It's a very good point, and it fills a gap uh, in the uh, CHL schedule, too. Yeah, I'm a little surprised we haven't – that hasn't been, like, a big uh, talking point around around junior hockey. As a, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that the Canada Russia series probably won't be coming back for uh, a little no. bit anyway. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised. And uh, I was hoping the CHL had uh, comment on a little bit at the Memorial Cup last year, but they, uh, they didn't really have uh, – big league-wide press conference to ask questions mm-hmm. like that so oh that. and the other and the other thing too just quickly you know, uh, there's a lot of new blood we always talk about the new blood coming in through the chl and the individual leagues um what better way to get all three leagues sort of say on the same yeah. page but to, to have them uh unified as a as an umbrella entity than to have them play against each other league on league in a best on best format it only makes sense yeah so we, this is funny. This is another one that Jamie brought in because, you know, Jamie's basically been doing most of the work here. I'll be honest with you. Connor, Connor, oh, yeah. Connor edits it. Uh, you know, Jamie, you know, sends in the ideas and I just, you know, show up. That's basically how we <laughs> yeah. do things. And anybody, yeah. Anybody who knows us individually would not be surprised to hear that. Um, yeah, I definitely wrote but, this 2000 word uh, document in front of us. Yes, you lay off the missive, pal. The missive get the missive is golden. Gets us through the week. <laughs> so a few weeks ago, uh, Jamie uh, brought to us, of course, the fact that uh, there's been talk of the queue returning to twelve every year. Well, 
I can only assume somebody in Trois Rivières uh, with the uh, Trois Rivières Lyon in the CHL was listening to the podcast because they yeah. had Trois Rivières driver weekend <laughs> last weekend. They wore their they wore their driver throwbacks and they uh, they celebrated the two President Cup winning teams uh, from uh, Trois Rivières. And uh, kind of like I say there's a more than a hint of irony there, considering some of the uh, some of the news that's been making the rounds. But uh, I guess my thing, Jamie. Um, I mean, you, you've been around the Sea Dogs organization more than any other organization. Um, and down there, the St. John Flames are still talked about like every day and they haven't played in the city in 20 years. Like, like yeah. it's, 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 I don't know. I hate to say that it's sad, but it's, it it's, is. it's certain, yeah. it, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I can only assume that the, that the Sea Dogs have done, they have done some flames related promos, right? They, they have, I mean, I mean, their freaking mascot is the old flames mascot. So, yeah. I mean, there's a tie in there, but I'd be curious to see as, as time goes on, uh, will we see even more of that, especially in the Maritimes mm -hmm. where, you know, um, it, it's, it's, uh, uh, sort of honoring the pro roots, kind of doing the reverse of what the, the lions did here where it's the pro team honoring the juniors. Uh, I wonder if we're going to see more of the junior team honoring the old pro team. And as far as some of the newer teams in Quebec, are they going to get in on this as well? It is already a big trend, but I wonder how much further things will go with it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of awkward, right? To see how some of these old teams interact. And I think, you know, the, the sea dogs and flames is kind of one of those examples where it's a little awkward just because the, they were so close together and, you know, the, the fan base is kind of, coexisted if that if that's you know makes sense in the right mm -hmm. terminology for it but um you know i look at you know toire Riviere. I, I think it's a little bit of a different situation just where there's been so much time in between um mm -hmm. but i i kind of like it like i liked what they did i i i i'm all for it like i'd love to see teams really honor these older teams you know if i wouldn't do it all the time but you know i think one night where they they you know raise that banner um do something like that was really cool um i'd love to see the wildcats wear the moncton alpines jersey obviously <laughs> which will never happen <laughs> oh god oh. sorry I think, sorry was i was just thinking of i was just thinking of something funny that somebody said at work earlier today. Oh, okay. that's all right oh, okay. continue on figured, jamie yeah, i figured that sorry what is this alpine thing you uh speak of right yeah. oh no yeah you, you can google it um, well, we're canceled in Moncton now. Nice <laughs> knowing you folks. <laughs> Wildcast guys, we're going to have to communicate through a series of blinks going forward. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see stuff like that, though. And uh, uh, I think it was, a, was it the 40th anniversary of the league, 0809. I think teams were doing a ton of these jerseys. Uh, yes. That's when the Cedars wore the, the Flames jersey that year, which mm -hmm. was really cool. Sh Schwenningen wears a throwback jersey like every day so i'd love to see oh uh, they've only had like four different names <laughs> and, and whatnot <laughs> like nine different uniform changes <laughs> yeah it's like yeah it's yeah it's like performers at the grammys or something like every time they come out on stage it's something new and and I'll, i will give credit to the to moncton by the way they did have ahl night the last year of the coliseum back in 2018 they did honor the old moncton hawks ahl team so there is that Given that, I'm waiting to see Halifax do it here with the uh, Nova Scotia Voyagers. They did it with the Citadels, mm -hmm. and uh, it'd be nice to see them do it with the V's. Of course, that team was prolific back in the 70s. So, you know, I, I'm all for more of it. It's just something different, connects 
connects the history of uh, these communities and these are community-based teams. It all ties in things very nicely. NHL team profile team. So we're still in the central and uh, we're going to talk about a team that uh, has basically been on fire for about four years or so. And uh, that fire uh, probably just had a little more gas thrown on it here uh, in the last uh, 24 hours with the uh, trade of, uh, of its uh, star forward, the Chicago Blackhawks um, have fun in uh, New York, Patrick King. Um, they are, to say that they were on, they're on the bottom of the rebuild would probably be an insult to teams on the bottom of the rebuild. Uh, this is, yeah, this they're is underground. They're underground. This is beyond scorched earth. This is, yeah, I, there's no adjectives to describe this. But however, uh, there are a few guys with Q connections that are uh, uh, potentially answers in the future. Um, there's one guy playing in the queue right now, and he's a guy, you know, we, we just talked about, you know, Gatnow and, you know, the amount of attention they get, especially, you know, the Zach Deans, the Riley Kidneys, and, and uh, guys like that, and, you know, the great defensemen they have. But here's a guy who's just been quietly putting up a point a game and has looked very good doing it, and that's Samuel Savoie, who's a third-round pick of the Blackhawks last summer. Yeah, and another Moncton Flyers grad. So shout out to our weekly shout out to the Moncton Flyers. Um, Very good. <laughs> we're part of that that big 2020 draft class for Gatineau, Luno, Vero, Warren. Uh, it's a huge, huge part of that core in Gatineau. And like mm -hmm. you said, having a really good season offensively. But um, he plays so hard. Like I'm, I'm really excited to see him play in the playoffs this year and go deep in the playoffs. I think right. he's going to be a big performer. Um, for Gatineau he, he just plays that kind of playoff style hockey and um, you know it's, it must be exciting for some of these guys who like Savoie who's a third round pick like he's he's going to get a pretty good shot to play for the Blackhawks the next few years so it's got to be uh, mm -hmm. uh, even though they're going to struggle but it, it creates a lot of opportunities for guys like him yeah and you know there's there's three guys in the AHL to varying degrees you know maybe their opportunity is uh, a, a little more uh, a little more optimistic than with other organizations, I think you know almost anything could go. Uh, I think the Chicago Blackhawks are basically one big training camp uh, from now until probably the end of next season. Yeah. Um, and the three guys in the AHL uh, from the queue right now are Hunter Drew, Morgan's Adam, Morgan Adams, Moisan, and uh, Louis Crevier. Louis Crevier, a six foot eight defenseman um, who had a great run with Chicoutimi in Quebec. And then two guys in Drew and Adams Moisan. We keep mentioning guys like this that are either yeah. in the minors or in the NHL outright, you know, like the Zach McEwens, like the Ross Johnsons, the Liam O'Briens, who just, you know what, they sustain a, a successful career in the pro ranks just by playing, quote unquote, their game and 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 just you know being of value in the roles they fill. Yeah, and like doing this exercise this season for the show, like I, I feel like one or both of them will play in the NHL, and I wouldn't be surprised if mm -hmm. they stick in the NHL just because yeah. they're such good at what their role is. Um, so yeah. I think they're, I wouldn't be surprised to see either of them uh, make it to the Blackhawks. Yeah, and, and of course, Drew already has a couple of games of NHL experience with the Anaheim Ducks, so it would stand a reason that he would uh, yeah. uh, have to be considered uh, a call-up uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, nobody in the ECHL will just mention that. That's the Indy Fuel, the Blackhawks affiliate in the ECHL. And one guy in the NHL uh, from the Quebec Rampart uh, played for Team Switzerland as well at the World Juniors during his time at Q, Philippe Kurashev, who is uh, 
uh, who's again carved out a, a decent career. Numbers probably down this year because, well, look around you. But uh, at the same time, you know, he he found a way to quickly get his way into the NHL, even during a time, Jamie, where the Blackhawks were in pre uh, burn it down mode. Yeah, and kind of shows the the kind of trajectory of him as a prospect. I wouldn't really call him a, a big time prospect. Um, you know, he had pretty good numbers in the queue, but not not you know, not huge. Um, yeah. So obviously, he's he's you know developed pretty well as a pro, um, and seems to be you know a pretty key player for the Blackhawks. Has pretty decent numbers this year um, on a bad team. So um, I, I would imagine he'll get even more opportunities uh, the next couple of years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the guys who is a part of the future there in Chicago. Uh, and uh, moving on to the prospect of the week for the 2023 NHL draft, uh, we're going to go out to the Cape again. And, you know, for a team that's, I guess, stands to reason, a team that's towards the bottom of the standings, as the Cape Breton Eagles are, you know, they've, they've, they had a couple of decent games, including a 9-8 victory uh, over the weekend over, over the Sea Dogs. Um, you know, they've, they've kind of solidified their playoff spot, and they're doing it with younger players. And we've talked about a couple of them already on this show uh, throughout the season. But the one we're going to talk about right now is Cam Squires, who, uh, I'll be honest with you, Jamie, um, you know, you talk about doing the research for this show. Um, it completely eluded me. I knew that he was having a good season. Uh, I've watched a bit of him. You know, I love his speed. I love his tenacity around the net. But I did not realize he was this close to a point of game player in Cape Breton. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, and it's funny. I was actually having a conversation about him this weekend. We were going over that uh, that I guess controversial uh, 2021 draft for the Eagles, where they they you know weren't able to land the the big the big prospect Tyler Peddle and kind of the aftermath that came from that. And I feel like because of everything that happened during that draft for the Eagles, I feel like a lot of these guys are kind of under the microscope. Um, and, you know, Squires had a pretty good rookie season, uh, but he's having a really good season as a 17 year old, um, just under point per game. Um, again, not on a, not on a terrific team. Uh, so those are really good numbers. And I would expect to that even next year, he'll, uh, he'll be a, a, arguably a, a star for the Eagles. If, if this kind of trajectory continues and that, I think the best is yet to come from him, even if he doesn't get drafted this year. Um, definitely a guy who I could see uh, being a bit, not necessarily a late bloomer, but a guy who uh, I think will get some attention, even if he uh, gets bypassed in the draft this year. Yeah, ranked 114th uh, in Central Scouting's uh, latest rankings. And, uh, you know, I agree with that uh, totally, Jamie. Uh, he's been given every opportunity and has made the most of it. Uh, so far this season, so you can only assume that as that team rises to the standings, his stock will rise as well. And that'll about do it for us for this week. I want to thank you again for listening each and every week. Um, you can find us, again, just a quick reminder, we are no longer on SoundCloud as of this weekend, but you can find us most anywhere else where you get your podcasts. Please give us a listen, and if you like what you hear and you want to make a comment, please do so. We will read it from the mailbag at every opportunity. For Jamie Tozer, I am Will McLaren, and thanks again to Connor Somerville for his hard work behind the scenes. This has been another edition of THN on the Q, brought to you by BetMGM. We'll see you again next week.